Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and super excited to welcome back to the show. I feel like you haven't been here in a while, Beads. But senior reporter for the Sacramento Bee, Chris Biederman, co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast, of which I am a frequent guest, even though there was a little Jack Mooney slant. I'm sorry, Jake Mooney slander going on this week. So you can't be that upset I don't know how I if you didn't if, if you're not getting his name right on your own podcast. I can't believe I just called him Jack. But you know why? It's because offline before we started, we were talking about Jack Coletto, and I have a a tab pulled up. This is Jack Coletto, and I was looking at that, but I. I know it's Jake Moody. I feel like there's no one who would argue that I do know. Does it everybody is. in the Jake. 49ers draft room know his name is Jake Moody? Do you think? Yes, I do. I feel very strongly they do. So I thought, like, I guess, are, are we just diving into this? Can I can I offer my my Jake Moody take? Well, I just I want to I want to give it a, a little real quick. I just want to tell you to tread sort of lightly. I think everybody listening to this podcast knows my feelings on Jake Moody. That I think this is the best pick of all time that I'd been calling it and saying it was going to be, he was going to go at 99 and that I'm thrilled with it. So I just want to start there and tell you to tread sort of. Okay. Um, I, I don't know <laughs> if it's the best pick of all time in my opinion, but I, I will say like <laughs> listening to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan talk about it after the fact, like the fact that John Lynch said the draft room was kind of quiet and not overly excited sort of spoke, I thought spoke a lot uh, just about like, I don't know, like, here's the thing. If you draft a kicker late in the third round, he has to come in and immediately be one of the best kickers. in the league, Right. And I'm not saying he can't do that, but it's just heaping a lot of pressure on this guy. And I understand the 49ers are out there saying that they thought they were going to get jumped for him. Um, and maybe they wanted him that badly. And maybe he will be the next Justin Tucker. I would just say there's a lot less pressure on a kicker that's drafted in the fifth round as, as opposed to a guy that's drafted in the third round. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And I'm not criticizing the pick necessarily because I don't know how good he's going to be, but well, no, but I mean I know, but nobody else. Right, but for a guy, you know, 17 of 27 on field goals between 40 and 49 yards, four of 10 on on kicks, 50 plus yards, like you know, uh, you if you're drafting the highest drafted kicker since Robert Aguayo, you would want that guy to be to maybe just have better numbers than that. Right. And so, but my, my only qualm with the pick is, is the 49ers kind of have a tendency to reach for needs. And like, you can look at Javon Kinlaw 
um, as an example, like reach for needs saying, okay, we're just going to draft somebody at this position because we need that position. And if you zoom out, I think you can make a broader, a broader indictment maybe of, of Kyle Shanahan and the way he looks at the draft, because he, he does this thing where he compares draft prospects to guys already on his roster. Right. And you remember, like the case I'll always point to 2018, the Niners needed an edge rusher, right? They needed one really badly in 2018. They didn't draft one. And Kyle Shanahan's rationale afterwards, and I don't know if he believed this, but this is what he told us in the press conference was that it's hard to beat out Cassius Marsh. Right. He goes, he goes, we, we don't <laughs> think there were, there were starters at defensive end in this class and, and it's tough to beat out Cassius Marsh. Turns out a year later, the 49ers realized they really needed edge rushers. They draft Nick Bosa, obviously, with the number two pick. They go out and trade for, for D Ford. But in that 2018 draft, they pass on guys like Sam Hubbard and Josh Sweat, who have, I think, 30 and a half sacks and 28 and a half career sacks since 2018. And they were the 77th and 130th pick, respectively. Right. So Kyle Shanahan does this thing where, oh, I don't think any of these college prospects are better than our starters. Well, it's like, yeah, but you also drafted Brock Purdy in the seventh round. You didn't, you obviously didn't think he was going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but he was. So there are cases, you know, it's, it's just kind of silly to me to look at the draft. If you're Kyle Shanahan and say, you know, I don't think there are any tackles in this draft, or I don't think there are any corners in this draft that can start for us that are better than the guys we already have. Um, so we're going to go draft a kicker because that's the only spot we feel like we we need a starter. Um, when there are examples even on his own team that are contrary to that to that belief, right? Like obviously a college prospect is not going to be better as you are evaluating him as a guy who was in the pros, but there there's time to develop. There's you know there's going to be practice time. There's going to be you know guys improving their bodies and and all of those things which Kyle Shanahan is is surely aware of so I, I i guess my my issue with the kicker pick is to just say oh we needed a kicker more than we needed anybody else any other position and it's like you're you're kind of missing the the possibility that you know maybe there is a tackle that could help you and and might might quickly develop into somebody better than Colton McKivitz right and like i'm you know, maybe Colt McKivitz is going to be fine. And maybe Jake Moody is going to be one of the best kickers in the league. But if you're if you're just drafting for need only in the third round, I think that you're you're asking for for some issues long term because the 49ers aren't going to be able to pay all their guys um, as as time goes on. And they're going to have to resupplement the roster with young players and and look, maybe they did that with some of their picks later in the round. But I just the philosophy that you know, oh, this mid-round pick is is not better than any of our starters, so we're not going to take him and we'll take a kicker instead. I just have issue with that line of thing. I did not get the impression in the post game, in the post game, in the press conferences after the draft that, especially that particular press conference, I did not get the impression that this was Kyle Shanahan driving this pick. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, I, that was definitely not the impression I got. I, I think he accepted the pick. He was okay with the pick. I don't think he was driving the pick. I mean, you know, he said to us, you know, he made that joke. I can't believe we didn't take a running back. I think he believed that they, in the call, the four hours posted when he called Jake Moody, he said to him, I can't believe we didn't take a running that's back. That's not a great like, sign either, right? No, it's not. But I'm just saying, I don't know that he was driving driving this pick. I think, you know, the other thing 
that I think about with this team um, is that they have a window. And you're right. Contracts are going to be coming up in the next few years. They're not going to be able to pay everybody. I think I really think it, to me, it feels like at least that they are looking at the fact that they have another one to two years in this window and everything now is about doing what they need to do in these next couple of years to win a Super Bowl. And so I think in their opinion, that was the only glaring area starter that they needed. So that's where they took them. I obviously agree with the pick a Michigan bias aside, or maybe it's impossible for me to have my Michigan bias aside on this, but, um, Michigan bias aside, I do think he was the best kicker in the draft. I do think he will be really good. I think he'll be fine. I think he's kicked under difficult circumstances. His last couple of years have been incredibly strong. Um, he's come in in really tough situations, game on the line situations. He's done well in tough environments. He's had to play for Jim Harbaugh. And there are a lot of things that if you can get through that, um, I think there are a lot of things, you know, that that are in his favor, but it didn't feel like this was one where Kyle Shanahan was driving it, but it does feel like they know contracts are coming up in the next couple of years. They know there's only so much time left with this roster and they have their window and they are going to do everything they need to do to win a Super Bowl in those next couple yeah, of years. I, I agree. I just, I, and again, I, I don't know that Moody's not going to be a, a great kicker or a good kicker. They just, the, the point of drafting a guy in the third round to kick for you, like he immediate, immediately needs to be like a top five kicker in the league. And maybe he will be. And maybe it'll, it, they'll, they'll come out smelling like roses because of it. But if he's just an average kicker, you know, I think it's going to be, and, and the 49ers have depth issues on the roster throughout the season. Guys get hurt or even over the next few years, it's like, what's, what's going to happen at tackle? They're kind of screwed there. Like you could look at any position and then sort of come back to this draft and be like, well, you know, they, they did take a, a league average kicker there when they could have used depth at other positions. So anyway, that's my only issue. And obviously this will all play out. We'll have plenty of time to, to revisit it, but that's, that's sort of my initial take on the Jake Moody pick. Um, I guess Ohio State bias aside, <laughs> but um, like I just you know if if you're taking if you're taking a kicker in the third round, you have to know he's going to be like elite. And based on you know what I know about him and the fact like the the longer field goals are what they are, the numbers are what they are. That to me is just kind of kind of a risky proposition. But they will be better. It will be better on kickoffs, which is which is kind of an underrated thing. The 49ers have been sneaky bad in kickoff coverage, and part of that was because they thought Mitch Wisnowski was going to be a guy who was just going to boot it through the back of the end zone every time. He clearly wasn't, and they forced Robbie Gold to do it, and and he's obviously not a not, wasn't a great kickoff guy either. So maybe this will help them in um in in some key situations, which is probably an underrated part of all this. And he was 26 of 32 for field goals in 2022. So that's just a more recent stat. He also was six of six against Ohio state the last two seasons and 12 and 12 and extra points against them the last two seasons. But that's neither here nor there. I just think it's important for me to bring that up and mention it. Congratulations. And hang, hang the banner. I will hang the banner on that. Uh, and then also I will say, and I can't remember if we've talked about this on this, po- uh, you and I have not talked about on this podcast, but I will give everyone an anecdote uh, to go back to November of 2022 we are at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs for the 49ers Saturday practice before heading to Mexico City. And it was, I will tell her, that Colorado Springs trip, it was just a tough trip. It was freezing. The Air Force Academy did not have great internet. There's a lot of things on that trip that was, you know, it was lucky to be able to do it and, and have the job to do it, but it was not the easiest road trip of all time. 
And it's Saturday, getting ready to go out to practice. We are huddled around Nick Wagner's computer. I think Cam and I talked about this a little bit the other day on the pod, but we're huddled around Nick's computer. It's a very close game between Michigan and Illinois. Blake Corum got injured in the first half. That's when he hurt his ACL. So that's just like a rough game all around. And it literally went down to the wire. And Jake Moody comes in, kicks the game-winning field goal, saves the season, saves me from crying, frankly, on my way out to Portland practice. And it was very, very exciting. And for that, I think Jake Moody will be amazing. But he just did, he also just seemed to get better and better as the season went on. Um, they all say ice in his veins. I do think there is Listen, truth in that. So I, we'll I hope see. you're right. Cause there's nothing, there's really nothing worse in the NFL than like a kicker derailing, like a really good team season. So I hope you're right. I'm just, I'm just a little dubious of taking that guy in the third round. So. Well, I guess I'll say this, Chris, and you know what I'm going to say. Time will tell. Yeah. Unequivocally. Time. Unequivocally, as always, time will tell. But what's going to be fun is from now, May, we're recording this on May 4th, until the season starts, everyone's going to talk about it over and over and over again. And it's just going to be super fun, but we really won't know until. Well, that's the other the part of it. Starts. Like, Jake Moody's going to be like the most tracked player at 49ers training camp. And like, obviously, the, the 49ers aren't going to like not take a kicker because they're worried about that, but it's just part of it. Like, he's going to be under a unique spotlight that most kickers wouldn't be under. Yes, I think that is true. But they don't call Money Moody for nothing, Chris Biederman. Who's they? Uh, everybody at the University oh, of Michigan. Okay. <laughs> Ann Arbor, me. I am part of the they. Okay. Man's a legend. He is a he is a legend. I may or may not have squealed when they drafted him. Sources sources have confirmed that that report. Yeah, no, it did 100%. Totally, totally did squeal. I was very excited, but I actually thought I kept it together very well. Um, There are those that might disagree, but I think it was a squeal and some clapping, and then I moved on. So there's that. I didn't even say, like, go blue to him on the Zoom or anything like that. Congrats. I I think that gives a big congrats. Uh, but five fun facts, rookie minicamp is going to be a banner day. And I'm very excited about it, especially because they picked not one, but two University of Michigan players. So that's exciting for those of us that went to the University of Michigan. And less exciting for others who did not. Yes, for others that did not. Though I think Ronnie Bell, that was that was interesting to me. I didn't think, I didn't think he was going super high. I was kind of surprised he was still there in the seventh round. You know, he tore his ACL a couple years ago, and I think he's, He's certainly better, but maybe still recovering. He has a potential to be a good punt returner or backup punt returner. I think special teams is probably if he were if he is to make the team. I think special teams is probably where he'll shine, especially especially in the beginning. Uh, but and I do think he has a really good chance to make the team. There are those that feel maybe that's my blue tinted University of Michigan sunglasses. I think that's what Cam Inman said the other day. But I, I do think he has a chance, especially because of special. Teams. Yeah, I mean, there's there are going to be opportunities for him in training camp in the preseason to return some punts and, and prove it. I think, you know, Ray Ray McLeod, Juwan Jennings, Danny Gray, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, like unless there's an injury, I have a hard time seeing seeing the 49ers really like or, you know, are they going to keep six guys or seven guys? And typically the, the guys who are like rounding out the the depth chart on the 53 man are like 
guys who do contribute on special teams or who just are like really good blockers. You know, like right. they brought back Willie Sneed. I think part of the reason they like him is just because he's a good blocker. <laughs> so that's that's sort of like the bare minimum. So I don't know if Bell if Bell has that in him, but at some point, like, you know, Ray McLeod might get hurt and you might need to dip into the practice squad and, and maybe that's where, where Bell comes up. But um yeah, we'll see. I mean it's that's the one thing about this draft, which like I, I'm normally a big fan of of the draft. I think it's a lot of fun and, and obviously my my day job made it a little bit more difficult to to track the draft this year, but like it's so much more fun when you can dive into first and second round prospects than having to wait towards the back end of the third round for the team you're the team you're interested in their first pick, right? So like it's hard to say it's or it's less fun to like be diving into the importance of like sixth and seventh round picks because the team didn't draft anybody in the first or second round. Um, so at least with, with those of us who are interested in the 49ers draft next year, like the fact that they'll have a first round pick again after the Trey Lance trade will, uh, will be a little bit better for everybody involved, but it's like, it's just such a crapshoot and, you know, just throws at the dartboard when it comes to trying to evaluate like late round picks and who's really going to be good and who has opportunities. Um, Cause frankly, like, I don't know, you know, maybe the linebackers like D winners and, and um, the Purdue kid whose name is eluding me, like have a chance to be sort of that Aziz Al Shire replacement. Um, and maybe Latu, the tight end from, from Oklahoma has a chance to, to get significant playing time. But he, even he seems like a little bit of a project, but it's, it's very much not a draft where it seems like the 49ers are getting many immediate contributors. And maybe Jair Brown is that guy. Um, but I know there are questions about his speed and things like that. But um, just kind of a kind of a weird time to be evaluating the 49ers draft because usually there's a lot more excitement because they have first and second round picks. And this year they just did. Jalen Graham is the name of the other right. linebacker. You're welcome. Uh, that's what I'm here for. Uh, but yes, and I think that's the other thing with this draft and also kind of last year's draft. I mean, this was a team that this is a team that's pretty set in terms of their starters. So it'll be interesting to see how and if any of these guys develop, um, though, I don't know that we can ever say seventh rounders are hard to get excited about ever again because of one Brock Purdy, um, which will lead me into our next discussion. It's not actually going to be about Brock Purdy because we've all talked about that at nauseum and we just really don't know anything else right now. But for next week's rookie mini camp, the 49ers currently have four quarterbacks on the roster. None of them can actually participate in rookie mini camp because they're not rookies. I'm sure they'll be doing tryouts, et cetera. But I think it'd be a fun game. Who would be a fun person to see have to play quarterback at rookie mini camp on the coaching staff? Maybe Jack Coletto, who they brought in as an undrafted free agent who seems to be able to play every position on a football field. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. But you tell me who you think might be. Uh, Kyle Madsen would be would be my vote. Uh, I think oh, he's, I, I think oh. he's he's strong in the pocket. Um, I think he could keep it keep it light in the huddle. Uh, but. He definitely can keep it like <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a bunch of tryout guys, right? So it's it's going to be. I think Coletto, Coletto's kind of an interesting guy because I know you know there there have been a lot of reporting. There's been a lot of reporting about the Broncos saying that um, they view him as sort of a Taysom Hill type, and you know I don't know I don't know if the 49ers envision having some like gimmick quarterback slash tight end slash running back 
come in for Kyle Shanahan to use because Coletto isn't the athlete. Like the thing with Taysom Hill is that he's like a freak athlete, right? So you just kind of get him right. on the field. I don't know that Coletto is the same type of freak athlete, but he is super versatile. And, you know, that's that's sort of like the calling card of Kyle Juszczyk. Like Kyle Juszczyk is a guy who came into the league pretty versatile. He played tight end in college and fullback and and has court. I think he played high school quarterback, right? He's been the 49ers emergency quarterback. Yes, he has. Um, I guess before Christian McCaffrey. So like, I, I think Coletto might be one of the more interesting guys to track it at, at rookie minicamp because, you know, they might try him at linebacker. They might try him at fullback. Um, they might give him some snaps under center, but you know, if, if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're running a rookie minicamp, are you, are you trying to give that guy quarterback reps? Are you trying to see if there's somebody on a tryout basis who who might make sense to you? Um, rookie mini camps are always kind of a cluster because you have like 60 guys out there. They're all wearing numbers that like already belong to current players. And you're like looking at rosters mm-hmm. and you're like, who is that guy? And maybe there's like one or two guys that ends up that end up getting signed to the to the 90 man offseason roster. But the rookie mini camps more about like getting getting eyes on the draft picks and, and seeing what they look like and seeing if if there are any of the undrafted guys, any of them are are standing out among everybody else. And um so yeah, what what was the uh gosh, there was a receiver who like everybody loved out of Baylor and the Niners invited him to to minicamp and everyone or they, yes. they signed him and then everyone was really excited about it and he turned out just not to be a character fit. His name's eluding me, but it that's that all started like he wasn't practicing well at rookie minicamp and that like raised red flags and then he didn't end up making the team. I'm forgetting his name, but um You are I do remember what you're talking about and I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, but that, so that's those are the types of things that happen at rookie minicamp. And then obviously the team will be back together later in the month for um for OTAs and then you have mandatory OTAs in June. Uh but curious to see, you know, if there if if they're gonna be any eyes on you know, Trey Lance throwing or working out and, and what, what all that looks like. Because that, I mean, really the backup quarterback position is probably the most interesting thing the 49ers have going this offseason, right? A hundred percent. I don't think it's even, I don't think it's even close. I remember last year, rookie mini camp doing five fun facts with Brock Purdy being like, I really liked him. It's too bad. He's not going to be here. And then how wrong I was granted. We hadn't seen him. I mean, there was nothing to really go on yet, but. Um, Cannon, I believe yeah. is the guy. Oh, look at you. Quick, quick Google Good search. I, that sound, the name sounds familiar. So that feels like it could be right. I mean, the thing also, the Niners do really well with undrafted guys. I mean, they've had a few uh, over the years who have ended up being really good for them. They have, I mean, Charvarius Ward, they did, he, he was an undrafted guy. Obviously he didn't go straight to them, but you know, Raheem Mostert, Emmanuel Mosley, they've had some good undrafted guys on this team. So you just, you never know. Yeah. So all eyes on Jack Coletto next week. That's the, and Kyle Madsen in the huddle. That's going to be amazing. Can't wait. Yeah. I, a little <laughs> leery of, of the play calls, but I think, like I said, I think he'll keep it light. I think guys will be on their toes. Um, don't, don't know about the, the placement, like the accuracy I mean, and the arm talent. Yeah. But I think when it comes to just intangibles and vibes, I think Madsen's going to be the guy. He really will be good for intangibles. The accuracy, who needs accuracy in a rookie mini camp? I mean, come on. I don't think we're, I don't think either of us is saying Kyle Madsen's going to make the team. We just think he should. No, that'd be a, that'd be a reach at this point. Yeah. But, but quarterback at rookie minicamp, you heard it here first. All right. You mentioned your day job earlier. 
So I want to bring that up as you were covering the Sacramento Kings. Also would like to point out, you started covering them. This team got really good. These two things may or may not be related, but I like to believe that they are. So congrats on a great season. Uh, But that (laughs) series that went seven, a fantastic series between the Warriors and the Kings is over. The Warriors are now playing the Los Angeles Lakers. Go Lakers, even though I think most of my followers feel differently. But would love to just quickly get kind of your feelings on this series, how you think it will play out. And, you know, it is cool. You have Steph Curry and LeBron James, and it's pretty cool to have two of the greatest to play, play each other at this point in their career. Yeah, I I think, you know, game one, I mean, the Warriors were coming off a really hard-fought series against the Kings. And I, I think one of the things that was most interesting about it, maybe from a Warriors perspective, is you had Kevon Looney saying after the fact, that was one of the hardest series that they've had at any level, right? And whether it was the finals, um, Western Conference finals, like, the, and, and this was a first round series against a team that hadn't made the playoffs and hadn't played a playoff game in 17 years in the Kings, right? So I think it speaks to, it speaks to a few things. I think it speaks to the fact that the Kings really are a serious up and coming team. If they continue to ride this trajectory, um, that they're on, I think they could be a real life contender in the Western Conference. And they have the youth. Um, they have a potential star in De'Aaron Fox, who could become like an MVP candidate over the next few years, as, as long as he continues this this rise. And he took a dramatic, dramatic step forward this year. So we'll, you know, Mike Brown, the Kings head coach, reiterated like the hard part now is to take that next step. It's easy to to sort of go from a a, a losing team to a winning team but it's harder to go from like being that winning team to like true contention. So that's the Kings battle. Um, But the fact that they pushed the Warriors to seven games, they won game six on their home floor uh, speaks to maybe the, how promising things are for Sacramento. But from a Warriors perspective, you know, they survived that Um, they're, they had a very rocky regular season. They didn't win all that well on the road. There are questions about Jordan Poole. Um, and he's been, you know, kind of hit or miss. He had his best game of the playoffs in game one against the Lakers. And I think from a Lakers perspective, that win is is really important uh, for mm-hmm. them. And, and being able to snag home court early in the series and take it back from the Warriors is, is an important development. But they did have to play Anthony Davis 44 minutes and LeBron James 40 minutes. Um, and if there's a real question about the Lakers, it's that can those guys hold up over a seven game series? getting that much playing time because in the fourth quarter of game one, the Warriors went on that furious run and nearly came back and stole the game um, after being down by double digits in large part because the Lakers looked like they were playing in mud. And so, you know, I, they, the Lakers had more time off. They were the more rested team. Their series only went six and ended Friday night uh, against Memphis. And the fact that the Warriors were able to come back in the fourth quarter, as well as Anthony Davis played, um, and as well as some of their role players played, Jared Vanderbilt and uh, and Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell, like can the Lakers count on that formula against the defending champs over a seven-game series? I'm dubious. Like I came into the series thinking the Warriors were were probably going to win in large part because of their history. They've still never lost a Western Conference playoff series under Steve Kerr, so it's hard for me to pick against them until they actually until they actually do lose one of those series, but. I think the Warriors are going to come out. We're recording this Thursday morning, um, just with a different type of energy in Game Two, and and it wouldn't surprise me if if like the Kings series, this this one ends up going long, 
and it's tied two two after after four games, and it becomes a best of three. Um, it's just a very different style of series for the Warriors than than what they played against the Kings. And I think it takes some feeling out because the Kings were obviously a similar team to the Warriors in that they're small. They play with you know the pace and space offense, where the Lakers are like, no, we're gonna we're gonna play really big and we're gonna pack the paint and we're gonna shoot a lot of free throws and we're gonna prevent you from getting to the lane and just really a polar opposite type matchup than what the Warriors had in round one. So I think as time goes on, there's gonna be a lot of adjustments and it's gonna be a, a stylistic a battle of styles, um, contrasting styles versus who's better at running the same style, which was the Warriors in, in round one against the Kings. And uh, and it's going to be fascinating because it's it's LeBron James against Steph Curry. There's going to be a lot of legacy talk, and uh, and I can't wait to see how it goes. Do you have a prediction? I'm going to say Warriors in seven. Okay. I just, All right. you know, like, can can we trust Anthony Davis to play 44 minutes and play at that level? every night over a seven-game series with only one day off in between games. And LeBron James probably needs surgery on his foot. I know he saw the LeBron James of feet specialist, whatever that was. But I just, you know, at at his age and the fact he's dealing with a foot injury and he's only shooting 18% from three over a seven-game series, I just don't know that those guys are going to get better. I think they're probably more likely to play a little bit worse as the series goes, and I think that favors the Warriors because as we've seen throughout throughout the years of this Warriors dynasty, that they tend to get better as series progress um, and, yeah. uh, and not worse. And so I think that favors them. I don't have a prediction. I do not. I, you know, I, I pay attention to the NBA. I know what's going on. I am, as you well know, not an expert in this. So I have no argument for you other than... Time will tell. <laughs> so there's that. Time will tell. Uh, it's it's our Friday episode, which means we are now going to the end of the episode, which is a completely different direction than anything we've been talking about. But we still do Cody Corner on Fridays. No matter who Cody Bellinger plays for, we're still doing Cody Corner on Fridays. I will bring up that the Dodgers have a very big series this weekend. They're going to San Diego to play the Padres. They're coming off uh, winning two sweeping two series in a row on their homestand. So that was very exciting, but Cody corner. I just want everybody to know that Cody Bellinger who's playing for the Cubs right now is batting 291 with seven home runs and 18 RBIs. And if you've paid attention to Cody Bellinger the last year or so, he might as well go right into the hall of fame with those numbers. So maybe the change of scenery in Chicago was good. It's a one-year contract. I hope he can come back, but I just don't want you guys to think that Cody corner isn't happening just because he plays for a different. Do you have a, uh, an Oakland eggs? Oakland eggs, <laughs> Oakland A's segment. Also, you would, you want to dive into the, the baseball six and 25 juggernaut? Uh, I do not. But if you would like to dive into baseball, six and 25 juggernaut that apparently is going to Vegas under tremendous amount of controversy. I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured you had me on and you mentioned baseball. I, I am a, uh, I don't know if I, the, the A's were my team growing up. Um, like they're so they're probably my preferred baseball team, but I I despise them. I loathe them with with every ounce of me. But they're still my chosen team, and I am I I just am dubious that they're going to be able to get five hundred million in funding from Las Vegas. I kind of I'm kind of hoping that that whole thing falls through and it does force John Fisher to sell, and maybe there's a Bay Area billionaire, maybe the same guy who owns the uh, the Warriors of Golden State, and, uh, mm. and, and keeps them around and and like. 
the site of the I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but the site of the Coliseum is like the perfect place for a stadium. And it's kind of ridiculous to me that for 30 years, the A's have been reluctant to just build at this like perfect site that has public transit, that has freeway access, that has parking, um, just because the owner has been too broke to be able to fund it on his own without doing a, a ridiculous development deal in a place that doesn't make any sense. As, as cool as a Jack London ballpark would be, it never made any sense. So anyway. Here's to hoping uh, Las Vegas does not approve $500 million in public subsidies for one of the worst owners in pro sports. And uh, it forces John Fisher to sell, and it forces, or it allows EAs to, to stay in Oakland. Because I think, I think it's a thriving market, obviously. It could be with a good team. And um, that's my rant. Thanks for coming. I'm really glad you gave the rant, and I agree with all of it. And I hope for you and all the A's fans I know, which are quite a few of you, that that happens because I think A's fans deserve better and deserve a good competitive baseball team and deserve for that team to stay in Oakland. So perhaps you've just spoke it all into existence. We got to manifest. We got we we got to do it. We get, well, listen. I manifested Jake Moody at ninety nine. So if you need me tweeting about this every day for two months, you let me know. Okay, I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted. Great, uh, Chris. Please let everybody know where they can find you on the interwebs. Um, you could read my work at the Sacramento Bee. You could listen to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My co-host is Kyle Madsen, um, who's, You're a rookie who's definitely not actually going to be taking snaps at 49ers rookie <laughs> minicamp. If you don't know Kyle, that, that's, that was kind of an inside joke there. But um, no, we have a lot of fun. We keep it light. And uh, and we talk 49ers. And um, it's it's a really fun podcast to be a part of. And we have some good guests, including Tracy, from time to time. Woo. And... Uh, yeah, check us out. Uh, we are brought to you by Bet Online. We are brought to you by Fivo. You can follow me on Instagram at Tracy Sandler, on Twitter at 49ers Fangirl. And you can find everything we do at FGSN.com. With that, I'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.